Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter. That is how you get in touch with us at Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iHeart, iTunes Radio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. Oh, sure. Make sure you get in touch with us, guys. I want to hear from you. Big show today. I am going to talk about the NFL wins total. Oh, yeah. That is a big one because that number came out. I see some big-time things. Remember, 17-game season. 17-game season. Plus, Trevor Lawrence. I want to get into his fantasy situation. What is Trevor Lawrence going to be as a fantasy guy? Well, fantasy is also a baseball thing right now. And right now, I'm making some money in Major League Baseball. We have a special guest, Chuck T., our Rotomill fantasy expert. I'm telling you, I am pumped up for baseball. I, I always am. And you think, okay, once that opening day kind of comes and you have the lull. I'm not in any lull, man. I am checking every day. I got all my fantasy teams. I've started playing daily fantasy. I've started making a little bit of money. I love the under-the-radar guys. And if you... I know a lot of people wrote in over at Sports Garden, over on Twitter, G-A-R-T-N. I want to hear from you guys. And they said, when we did our baseball preview, you were on some kid from Detroit, Chuck, that everybody is writing me and saying, man, you know how much money I made just nailing this guy as my last pick in Daily Fantasy? So I can't wait to see what nuggets you have for us today, man. How you been? I've been great. It's been a season's off to a nice, good start. There's been a lot of surprises, a lot of disappointments, but uh, some of them we saw and some of them we didn't. But uh, I think he did put me to shame on the Mike Trout-Mookie Betts argument. Mike Trout is just unbelievable right now, a 450 batting average. And, you know, it's May on Saturday. I think he he heard it. He heard it. I think, right? Maybe not us. Because there was a lot of whispers, and it wasn't just the bets thing, right? There was a lot of, well, is it Soto's time? Is it Tatis? Right. Is it Acuna? Is all of a sudden, oh, Mike Trout, you know what? I'm not. Well, hey, guys, I'm still here. Oh, by the way. And And I'm telling you, I've been telling everybody, I said, I don't think that we've seen Mike Trout's best season, which is scary. Maybe not best overall. I think he hits 50 one of these years, and I think he hits. 330, 340, something. I, I, I do. I think he's going to put up one of those statistical monstrous, just eye-popping things, and maybe it's this year. Yeah. The number I have in sight is the 146 runs scored that Craig Biggio had in the 1997 season. That was the second highest total in the entire 20th century, and I think Trout is going to be the boy for the 21st century. You can't argue with a 500 on base percentage. The guy is on base one of every two at-bats, one of every two plate appearances. He is just amazing. He's re- he's going to rewrite the record books, I think, for runs scored. It could be runs scored. I-, I-, I have to root for 400, though. There's just something magical about it. Or, you know, even even if you give 50, 50 homers is a magical number. I know it does. It lost a little bit of luster over the last couple of years. Uh, but the, these are magical numbers. The run score would be great. Uh, it just won't get as much recognition. What about his teammate? I've had Jay Parison, who wrote the book about Otani. Uh, I was a little down on Otani, not because I don't like him. Last year, I was holding a ticket at 25-1 to 1 that he wins the MVP. This year, I didn't go back in, and I was kind of kicking myself because of the hype. But the reality is, is that Shohei Otani, as a batter, is just phenomenal. As a pitcher, though, I'm sorry, Chuck completely overrated he's he's going five innings he's walking four or five guys yeah. you know he is a 
guy that I'm seeing get through three or four good solid innings can't get to the six. He's got to the six once in his career, past the six once in his career. You know, it just doesn't happen. And he walks a ton of guys. Yeah, high pitch counts. He uh, he uses he uses a lot of uh, pitches per per out and to get through each inning. You know, it's very common for him. He's got 28 pitches for every inning pitched. And so you're you're not going to be sticking around for when the games get decided in the sixth, seventh inning. So for fantasy, he's going to hurt you with wins. He's going to hurt you on quality starts because he's not going to get that sixth inning pitched. So for those NL-only leagues that count quality starts and for the, the rare number of mixed leagues that count quality starts, that's going to hurt and you. Whip. And whip. And whip. You know, the whip is high. And, you know, but again, the the... We do have this radar gun obsession in Major League Baseball where you will continue to get pushed out there. You will have a job. You will take the mound every five days. And he does have some of his stat cast data is very interesting. He does get pitchers. He does get um, hitters to chase pitches. He does. But again, when you're chasing pitches, that's a high pitch count. Sometimes pitching the contact, you know, gets you, it gets you there just as likely, you know. And, um, you know, when you talk about the situation, your highest daily play on FanDuel right now is Max Scherzer on the mound. But Max Scherzer got hit hard last night, and you spent $12,000 of your budget on Max Scherzer last night, and you didn't win your game. You didn't win your contest, and that, that hurts. Yeah, Otani, look, I'm not ripping him. Like, he's phenomenal. He's doing crazy things. But to me, Otani's the guy that you just look at and you just go, I'm not I'm not taking him in Daily Fantasy, Chuck. I'm just not doing it, right? Yeah. I mean, I, he might not even get to the fifth inning. I can't do it. Scherz is a guy that is an interesting guy, and I wanted to kind of talk about this with you, that the baseball community has just an obsession with young talent. And I say it every year. Give me the old guys. I think I said it during the preview. Scherzer's one of those guys, eh, despite the last bad start, right? Scherzer's one of those guys that, despite his age and maybe coming down a little bit, he wasn't getting the negative attention that, say, a Kershaw was. Meanwhile, you look at it and you go, Kershaw is, uh, there's no way he's going to be 12,000 on any day. He's just not that guy because he's not striking guys out. I feel more comfortable Kershaw, though. Yeah, I I agree. And, you know, um, a guy sneaking into the top three right now, boy, is Carlos Rodon throwing the ball very nicely. Um, So, you know, again, uh, when you talk about guys that get into the top dollar value stratosphere and weren't expected to be, Rodon is right at the top of your list. Um, Joe Musgrove has, has become elite. I mean, Joe Musgrove is fetching $10,500 in his next start. So um, there's been some nice breakouts, but there has also been some things that have hurt. Um, Blake Snell, not getting out of the second inning against Pittsburgh. You took a beating that night. Um Lucas Giolito, when Lucas Giolito is not on his game, he really hurts you. He is capable of one of those one-and-a-third, eight-hit, seven-run games where the mechanics are completely out. And so he's very high risk, very high reward, because when he is on, God, he's untouchable. But but Giolito can really, his predictability some nights can really, he leaves it in the bullpen before he goes out there. Let's talk about the elite pitchers because the question is, in a daily league, okay, everyone's got their draft, so it's already done. In a daily league, can they set the number high enough for guys like Bieber, DeGrom, and Cole? I mean, you know, it is a starting pitching kind of uh, driven, I guess, business we're in, right? A daily fantasy starting pitching driven because they can just rack up so much points. 
but there is the alternate of, ah, you know, I'd rather take somebody else for a value. We'll get into underrated and overrated in the next segment, but I want to ask you about those three because to me, they stand head and shoulders above everybody else. And I know what I'm getting that night. Now, if you're in a giant pool, you're one of a thousand, everyone's going to have them. But if you're going head to head, I don't care. I'd rather eliminate. Give me Bieber. Give me DeGrom. Give me Cole. Let me pay the money. Yeah, in my mixed dynasty league last week, I felt bad for the— We have a team in that league with both Bieber and Garrett Cole. And, yeah, obviously you're going to play both. One of them's not going to get the win, though. You know that. But— the, the game was elite from both of them. And DeGrom but, never gets the win. You know, and <laughs> DeGrom never gets the win. And uh, But, you know, again, um, the, yeah, De, De, DeGrom is doing something special and historic, and it's not, not been done. The, to see, you know, this does happen with some pitchers who seem snake-bitten with the luck and the run support, but he's, he's really doing something amazing. Oh, me and uh, Dave Sharpin, who I had on last week, uh, we, we called Jacob DeGrom the place where Moneyline parlays go to die because he is coming into that start. He was five games under five hundred over the last four years, the Mets. How is that possible? He's had the best four-year stretch, right? Five games under five hundred, and you're getting plus 220 back, plus 230 on a betting line. I love going against DeGrom on a daily fantasy line. I'm not going anywhere near him. And what I like is that you know the strikeouts are there. It's rare nowadays to get those high strikeout guys that you also know are going deep into the game. Like you just said, Otani, yeah, he might strike out six guys in four innings, but still he's giving you his four innings, right? Garrett Cole, they have his over-under number set at eight and a half, nine, nine and a half, ten for strikeouts. Same thing with DeGrom, same thing with Bieber. I think these three have just pushed themselves to this level where it's us three and everyone else. Yeah, you know, Garrett Cole... I, I really think he's going to have 25 or 26 quality starts. When you take a look at the fact that his name's going to come up 34 times in a season, and 26 of them are going to be six innings, count them, count them, six innings, count them in the book, and probably 10 Ks on almost every night. And he's going to do that 26 times. You know, that, that's just, you know, you, when you pay 11500 for that on a DFS lineup, you're you know, you, you can't come up with something more consistent than that. And, uh, you know, again, the uh, an, another guy snuck into the, you know, snuck into the top, Tyler Glasnow. Wow. I mean, he's fetching 10800 He's doing great. Chuck T., our Rotomill fantasy expert, is sitting in with me. Chuck, I am a guy that I don't mind paying for good quality things, okay? I'm not a guy with a, a beautiful car out there. I don't have great clothes, okay? But you know what? I will pay for my vacations because I enjoy my vacations. And I don't mind if I overpay for my vacation and I come home from my vacation and I say, you know what? I overpaid, but it was great. I'll mind if I overpay for a hamburger and it's not a great hamburger. That bothers me even more. So I'm a guy that doesn't mind overpaying. We were, ta- we were just talking about Cole and Bieber and, and these guys. I don't mind overpaying for them because I know what I'm getting back. The guys that I that bother me, that land in that bother zone, are the guys that I'm going to overpay a little bit for, and, I, and then they don't give me the results. This brings me to the overvalued. I think that in football fantasy, we're always talking about, you know, guys that are undervalued. It seems you're always looking for that undervalued player, which we'll get to in a minute. But in baseball, overvalued daily fantasy guys run the gamut. There are guys that are hitting 170 out there. I'm talking to you, Andrew McCutcheon, that has basically lost his regular starting job that are still 
sitting there and you're like, wait a minute, they're they're higher than all of these other guys behind, below them? Clint Frazier for a while was still highly rated. Why is he Yankee? I get it. Aaron Hicks. These guys are literally hitting under 200. Still a little priced too much for my tastes. Those are a couple for me. Who's overvalued for you? Uh, I would say uh, the most obvious overvalued going into the season was Randy Rosarena. I still think that. The, 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 the launch angle, the home runs, the OPS is only 760. It's very ordinary. A lot of singles. And when you look at the stat cast data on a Rosarena, he's hitting a lot of ground balls. Uh, so there's there's no loft to the swing, and that magic that everyone really paid for in their drafts this year because of what he did in the postseason of 2020, it's gone. Um, it's yeah, he's respectably hitting 300, and this is a guy that can probably steal 15 bases a year for you. But I think the realism between that those 10 days, those magical 10 days of the postseason. And then what he really is, I really think he's a 25 home run, 15 steal guy with a 270 batting average. That's he's really not, he's not Conseco 40-40, right? No, certainly not. Certainly not. He's at the top of my my over um, my overrated list, which I think he carried into the into the drafts of everybody this year. I mean, we had we had teams making crazy trades in our offseason to try to get him. There was a lot of people that 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 there that. Those 10 games are, are all that's etched in their memory. And when you look at the fact that he was never, ever ranked higher than 17 prospect at St. Louis Cardinals, there's a lot, you know, a lot of smart people in the industry. There's a lot of guys who they get it right time after time. One and, of my leagues, he went straight up for uh, Matt Olson, you know, and yeah. I, I say, guys, wait a minute. Matt Olson's got a track record, right? I mean, guy might hit 230, but he's going to hit 40. Bomb. That's uh, That was an overreach for me, and I kind of was on the other side. It was like, oh, no, come on. Rosarina won that trade. And, uh, I don't know. Uh, another guy tremendously overrated, and I'm feeling this pain in my mixed league, is I was not that disturbed by the move to first base for Keston Hira. But when you look at the stat cast data, he's not chasing pitches. He's swinging and missing at pitches that are in the strike zone. This is There's either a, an eye problem that hasn't been diagnosed or because it, he has the worst number. He has the worst swinging strike percentage in the strike zone of it. So this is not like, you know, Kevin Biggio who leaves the bat on his shoulders too many at bats and refuses to swing at strikes and he refuses to swing at, at chase pitches out of the strike zone. No, Keston Hira is swinging and missing at strikes that are in his zone. He should be hitting them. So pitchers are going to keep challenging him with high heat because he's not hitting it. And that makes him immensely overvalued. Yeah, all of a sudden, you know, as a second baseman, he's overvalued. But now he's a first baseman. He's just a – you cannot play him. You no. flat out can't play him. All right, who else you got on your list? Um, on my overrated side, I definitely think he's just gotten too much fire is this catcher, D.H., for the White Sox. Yerman Mercedes, he's not this good. He's not a four fourteen batting average, 480 on base percentage guy. His – his hit four home runs. He has he has stolen though, at bats from the guy that was supposed to be their DH who had a nice spring, Andrew Vaughn, and Tony Larusa is sticking with Vaughn because hey they got to pay him now anyway. He gets to arbitration eligibility a year earlier than they expected. They didn't play that right for the budget, maybe not knowing what Mercedes was, but uh, that you can. You can take a look at a catcher like a Carson Kelly, and you can decide to buy into that. 
there's StatCast data that tells you why you should do that, but there's not StatCast support for what Yerman Mercedes is doing. The thing that's going on with Carson Kelly is his walk rate is up to 26% from 4.7% in 2020. This man is getting a great look at the strike zone. He's comfortable in the box, and he's producing. His, he's batting 400 with a 500 on base percentage. He's really producing. And for those of you who are in a league that counts the on base, or better still, I'm in a league, a nationally only league, that doesn't count the batting average. They only count the on base percentage. And he's golden there. So he's hitting with power and he's doing it all. And he's playing a good defense too. So he's out there most nights. So again, everything you're asking for in a catcher is there. I don't see it with the White Sox catcher. Let's talk about what the hell the Reds are doing because. I just, every single night that he plays, and that's the problem that he plays, Tyler Stevenson is in my lineup. He's on every one of my teams. I talked about him. He is their number one catching prospect. He was supposed to be the guy for a couple of years. He's doing everything that you're you're thinking. Last time that that I checked, he's hitting over 350, 370 even, you know. Um, He's doing everything right, and they're playing him like two, three times a week. Now, in a daily fantasy aspect this is great because people don't know him i'm just loading up on him but yeah i gotta wait for the lineups to come out all the time because they're sitting him for tucker barnhart who couldn't hit his way out of a paper bag yeah and last night a great example they bring him in to pinch hit in the fifth inning now i would rather now the game was three two at the time and he hit a smoking line drive down to the third baseman drove a run in so he came off the field he his pinch hit was exhausted comes out of the game um, th- not being utilized, yeah, definitely. But uh, my goodness, the numbers still look pretty nice, and the plate discipline looks great too. I want to go back to Andrew Vaughn there because you mentioned it. He was the preseason hyped guy. I'm buying in. I'm still buying in, and I think this is the time you should buy in. Look, you have the numbers in front of you. I know that we talk about Statcast. We talk about numbers, hard hit balls. It all lines up for him. He just needs opportunity. And I think that uh, we we forget that this kid was playing in college, basically, the last time he took the field, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's in the majors. We forget that. And he's in the majors all of a sudden in a starting role, in a pretty important role. I don't think he was ready for the majors this year. But now he's there. I do think it's going to get more comfortable for him. I'm buying all in here. Yeah, I'm all in on him, too. And, you know... The, his manager is one of the more honest guys out there. Tony LaRusso tells you what he's really thinking. There's no, there's never spin on Tony's comments about it. And Tony said flat out, this kid's a player. This kid is a player. When you impress Tony LaRusso, who's the new uh, manager in town, and he, he bumps a guy like this to the top of the, to the scrap heap, then, you know, it, that's a, gr- a ringing endorsement from Tony LaRusso. I buy into that totally. Guys, we're sitting with Chuck T. Rotomill, fantasy expert, uh, talking a little bit about daily fantasy. And I get more responses at sportsgarden.com and over at Sports Garden on Facebook and Twitter than anything else about the White Sox. They are just that team, right? I got to talk to you about Nick Madrigal. You you sat here last year and you loved him. I liked him. I li- Listen, I'm all about contact and everything else. I just told you. I got him sitting on my bench. Why? Hey, he's batting a nice little batting average very nice. The runs are nice. He's not going to ever give you power. He's never going to give you RBIs. He's just not running, and he's an unstartable guy for me at this point. Even his walks are not very good. So talk to me about a guy like Madrigal. What do you do with him in a regular league, and then what do you do with him in a daily league? Do you take a shot at him at his price? I don't touch him in a daily league. 
Uh, it's not there for me. I see no sense to play it. I see no value in the dollar number. Um, where I had Madrigal and where I was high on him was in a dynasty league because I did see this as a potential batting champion second baseman who has the speed to steal 40. But it's it comes down to usage. It comes down to opportunity with him. The White Sox trying out, you know, new manager in town. There's no set playing time. There's no set. There's really no set patterns as to what Larusa is doing in terms of how he's manufacturing runs. It's a lot of big hitters there, a lot of power bats. So there's no need to steal a base that works against him. So again, I wouldn't play him in daily. Period. And if you recall, I simply was outraged that. Keith Law could write an article for ESPN, and he could list the top 50 prospects in the game, and he, he just couldn't squeeze in Nick Madrigal, a guy who's only going to hit 300 every season he's in the majors. I just, you know, to me, that, that's a guy that's going to make a team. He's going to play good defense. He's going to. There's no reason to not play him. And in that, in the course of getting that playing time, he'll find his way to steals. But again, I kind of think it's because Larusa is sitting back. Why do you have to run when you can hit a three-run home run? You know, a little bit of Earl Weaver there. It, you know, and. To your point about uh, the, the entire uh, Keith Law or debate, you guys were were, were pretty hot and heavy after it. There, um, it, the thing with the Keith, Keith Law situation is Magic is a good regular player, right? I mean, he's a a good player when we're talking about going out there, playing good defense, getting a, a lineup juiced up. You know, you're sitting there and you're going, okay, Nick Madrigal can steal your base. He's going to take the extra bit. All things that fantasy kind of overlooks. So if we're talking about is he a good player, I think Nick Madrigal is a much better player right now than he is a fantasy guy. And you're buying him in Dynasty, and I get it. My thing is this. If he is batting even 320, right? If he's batting 320, but he gives you less than 10 homers, he gives you less than 50 RBIs, and he gives you only about 10 steals— I don't know if he's the guy that you can have. I think he's got to get into that 15, 20, 25 steal range to be a viable option. All right, let's take a quick timeout. We'll be back with a little bit more. And the underrated, overrated continues right after this. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Talking a little about baseball, right? Here's the American League MVP numbers as they currently sit. Mike, Mike Trout, you get a plus number, plus 200. Oh, you got to love that. Shohei Otani is plus 900. His teammate, Alex Bregman, plus 14 to 1. Jose Ramirez, 14 to 1. Byron Buxton, 16 to 1. As is J.D. Martinez. Vlad Guerrero climbing up that list at 18 to 1. Judge Lindor, Abreu, all 20 to 1. That is what are the odds? All right, guys, we are back, and we're talking about rotisserie baseball. No, they don't call it that anymore. It's daily fantasy, and we have Chuck T, our Rotomill fantasy expert. You remember when they used to call it that? <laughs> and then hot stove. You got all kinds of— we're, we're talking baseball. How about that, right? And we could turn it into some money for you as well. Chuck T is talking to us, and we were talking about—look, we're talking about underrated now let's talk about overrated. No, let's go back to underrated. Now I want to hear your list of the underrated. okay? Uh, the guys that we should be finding. Remember, guys, this is the guy that told you guys about Badu a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, let's, let's, let's just stay with Badu for just one second, right? Um, the, 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 it became noticed, it became reported on that the strikeout 
to, he had two walks. He had 15 strikeouts. He he had a, a, a span where he had nine at bats, and seven of them had ended in a strikeout. Um, funny thing though, the OPS is still 9.43, and so the power is elite. Yes, it is. The ball goes deep when this guy hits it. He is a strong man. You can see it in the at-bats. But when your OPS is over 900, you roster players like that. You play them, and you keep playing them. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be scared by if that's the worst it's going to get for his strikeout-to-walk ratio and the fact that he's going to come away with a lot of empty at-bats. If he's still going to be productive to the tune of 943, guys with 943 numbers, they drive in 100 a year. They score 100 a year. And he plays in Detroit, so he's going to play. He's going to play. They don't have a better center field option than him. He's he's a gazelle. He's a fast guy. He I, he only has a handful of stolen bases, but the guy can steal forty. He's got that type of uh, uh, that type of speed. Very fast man. He really tracks ver- the ball very nicely in center field. But you can see the arm isn't the strongest. He's probably long term future in left field. But again, uh, with Badu, I was just seeing something. The reason why I recommended him, I was just seeing a level of just confidence oozing out of him and he's still he's still pretty fearless despite how much he's striking out i'll give you my list of very underrated guys um i think that beyond belief zach gallon has been too discounted okay that injury doesn't concern me he was swinging the bat when he caused that strain to his forearm that was not a pitch it was hurting him to throw breaking pitches but it was because he hurt it in not a usage injury, but because of the fact that he, he took an awkward swing and he caused some pain. Uh, but he came back and struck eight guys out in four and a third when he, as soon as he came back without really a long uh, rehab assignment. At $8,500, Zach Gallon pitched like an $11,000 pitcher just a year ago. He was as automatic. And one of the greatest starts that we've ever seen of a major league starting pitcher has been Zach Allen's story. So at $8,500, he's really, in my opinion, very underrated. And unless I hear something that tells me that that's not 100% that forearm, I would be, I would have the courage to put him out there. The only negative I'll throw it out at you is uh, maybe he plays for Arizona, so he's not going to get the win. Is that it? That's probably it. And again, he's he's pitched well enough that he's still going to get you quality starts. He's still going to you know make the contributions in other areas. And 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 you know again, Arizona can can support him. It seems on most nights because the one loss record in 2019 and 2020. Again, one of those years in Miami, but after the trade to Arizona, wasn't a negative. All right, who you, who else you got for us there, Chuck? I got to tell you, I a couple of you know one of the things I did this off season was I put on my Roku, I put the baseball package on the in the living room, which to my wife's consternation, uh, she wasn't happy, but because the baseball package for her is just about watching the Orioles. My wife is from Northern Virginia, and so uh, she grew up an Oriole fan, and she loves to watch so them. that's just bad news all around. Yeah, you watch is. the and Orioles. In, and in a Yankee household, too. It, it's, it's interesting. But So one of the things, though, that um, I noticed two Sundays ago was I was watching Bumgarner. Now, you look at the stats. Bumgarner struck out 203 guys as recently as 2019. So, and Bumgarner was never a 97, 98 mile per hour guy. He was a guy that had a great curveball and he could spot his fastball on literally any corner of the plate that he ever wanted to. I watched his start on that Sunday and I was impressed. I was seeing 94s and 
consistent 94s, and he was spotting the curveball, and he came away with a win, and he pitched five innings, and he surrendered five hits, but I was just more impressed with what I was seeing. I decided to take a waiver on him in my mixed league. In my nationally only league, it's an interesting contrast, because he'll make a roster in a nationally only league, but in a mixed league, he was available as a free agent. I took him, and he threw the no-hitter for, for me this week in that next outing. Again, the same things were there, though. He's still hitting 94. There's some life back on that fastball. He's spotting the off-speed pitches, and he's spotting the curve. So it, the changeup was always a good pitch. I, you know, And again, success as recently as 2019. So you know, also the baseball history has been interesting in the last few years. Some people had nice 2019s, and then they fell off the map in 20. And some of them are coming back into into rounding into shape. Uh, at sixty five hundred dollars in daily, I, I mean, I could put this guy up against an eleven thousand dollar pitcher, and I can go spend five thousand dollars on my offensive players. So I think that's a screaming bargain. Until I see something otherwise, I'm going to play him. One of my big. Uh, under-the-radar ideas this year from a betting perspective and from a fantasy perspective was old guys that have a lot of mileage that just got a year off. Buster Posey is crushing the ball. Madison Bumgarner, remember, all those innings, all those World Series, he was a guy that went 200 innings plus, right, every year, and then the playoffs, and then the World Series, and they count on at high-leverage spots. Kind of got a year off last year, right? Uh, and so now maybe he's rejuvenated. I liked guys like that. All right, who else you got on the list there, Chuck? Uh, you know, I think Seattle's Yusai Kikuchi is a guy that added two miles per hour in his fastball. He was the biggest uh, increase when I looked at the StatCast data, looking at season over season, the average velocity with him. I did make mention of some drops that happened and some that concerned me. But you made a great point about Kershaw. I still wouldn't worry about Kershaw's velocity drop. He's still crafty enough. He's still a great pitcher. But Kikuchi, I think, is learning to become a better pitcher. And at $7,900 at a daily, I can put this guy up against an 11 grand starter some nights because I think the talent is there. He has two games of 10Ks this year. So, you know, and again, and that's in, we're still in April. So, you know, again, he's gone out there twice and he's K'd double digits. And I know me and you were talking in the bullpen here uh, about Trevor Rogers. He's massively undervalued. I can tell you that. I think Lopez is. I think Alcantara is. Talk to me about the fish. Yeah, um, that is a great story, Trevor Rogers. I watched this guy. He out. He won the game against Corbin Burns the other night. I mean, come on, Corbin Burns is doing historic things. Uh, Forty nine strikeouts to zero walks. I've never seen that. And and you know what. In 1989, Dennis Eckersley didn't do that either. <laughs> so um, Corbin Burns has just been amazing. And, I mean, the gumption of this rookie goes out and he wins the game, beats them 8-0. And, um, again, Burns has been phenomenal. But Trevor Rogers, I mean, he came to New York. He shut the Mets down on a Monday. The Mets are not a bad offense like they were maybe four or five years ago. The Mets are a decent hitting team at this point. And, boy, he made them look bad. You know, interesting story, too. He Baseball America, he's their number six prospect written about this offseason. I talk about a guy that, to me, did not have a clear path to a rotation spot, but he went out in spring training. He just kept doing it, and every start looks better and better and better. While he's down at eight grand, I can play him. I can play him every every week. All right, we are here with Chuck T., our Roto-Mill fantasy expert. Chuck, the last thing I, I, I want to talk to you about is just the state of 
of where we're going in fantasy because Caesars this week mentioned uh, they want to get involved in daily fantasy. A couple of other big players want to kind of throw their hat into the ring. I know MGM has uh, said, you know, they might want to get involved. Uh, Bally Sports, they want to get involved. As the competition starts opening it up, Chuck, what do you see? Are you going to be somebody that shops around? Are you going to be somebody that that looks at a starting pitcher and whatnot? How do you feel about the state of where we're going with daily fantasy? Opening up across the states, and now everybody wants a piece. Yeah, uh, You know, again, the thing I'm going to do, just coming at it from a pure analytics standpoint, I'm going to download and export to Excel their price lists daily, and then I'm going to run screens against comparing the differences between the two. And I'm going to play that arbitrage. I am. Because if I see my guy Rogers undervalued by $1,100 in another product, I'm going to go get that cheaper play because I can spread that money other directions and, and better. So I'm purely going to look at uh, where they're going to go with each other. I expect the odds to get tighter. I do expect the uh, th- those spreads to shorten. I think we can expect that. I do think that... The industry, you know, the industry, how long can they keep Trey Turner at $3,500? You're not going to, with a merger like that, this is maybe not good news if you like playing Trey Turner. If you like him playing him undervalued, you're continuing to get a $3,500 value. Great steal possibilities, hitting home runs. But it, as these spreads become smaller, then I think then that the values are going to have to catch up quicker. And so some maybe some guys that were values will won't be... They won't be hidden for much longer because the industry is going to have to adjust to that, and they're going to see those odds. I think it's a good thing, though, because anytime you have competition, I'm somebody that, you know, look, I sports bet all the time, all right, every single day, every single day, and what I do is I'm shopping for lines. You know, right? I, I tell everybody uh, at least once a month, you're on the shop for lines, shop for your lines, you know. So when you're shopping, are you only shopping for your starting pitcher? Or or you guy that that you like to do stacks. So I'm gonna take all the Yankees today, and all the Yankees are undervalued here. But your starting pitcher you wanted was a little overvalued. How are you going to attack that? Yeah, I do play stacks, um, not frequently. Again, to me, the most important the most important investment I make in a given night is the starting pitcher, unless there's such a screaming value. Again, sixty five hundred dollars on Bumgarner. That's got to adjust quickly. Maybe with more players in the business, that won't stay down that low as long as it might. Um, two things that jump out at me, a pitcher expected, Strasburg's expected back in June. And Verlander, they're making some noise that he could maybe get September starts. They're talking about this. His price is 10000 right now for Verlander on uh, FanDuel. And Stra- Strasburg is 10200 are you going to put $10,200 down on a June start? That's betting action that I would love to get some props on. I would love to bet against that. Um, there's opportunity there because those values got to get adjusted quicker. And, you know, again, the, the big boys in the industry now may have to catch up a little bit. And that right there, folks, I, I love that you just did that, Chuck. This was not designed. That right there is exactly why we are Sports Garden Network, and we're not 
a fantasy show. We're not just a wagering show. We're not just a sports show. We're all of them because you can start to see, okay, from daily fantasy and talking about fantasy and talking about even leagues in fantasy, I'm starting to look at prop bets. I'm looking at buying opportunities down the road. I constantly tell our listeners all the time, guys, have the big picture. Start looking about what bets you might be coming up against. Write them down. Put them in an Excel sheet. Whatever you want to do. And, Chuck, you're starting to see those angles. And this is why we do this segment. A lot of times, you know, I get asked, well, you guys aren't a fantasy show. You know, why do you have a fantasy segment? Because it's a way to make money, number one. It's a way to bet on money. And, and, and it's also a way to educate yourself to use it. There are so many times I learn betting nuggets from studying fantasy. And there are so many times that I go out in there and I say, well, actually, you know what? I know this, so I'm going to look in fantasy. Eduardo Rodriguez is 30-5 and five over his last 35 starts. The Red Sox win every time the guy goes out there. It's unbelievable. They, you know, they, He just doesn't lose. Well, Eduardo Rodriguez in a fantasy circle might be under the value. But you know what? In a betting way, people are going, 30-5 and five is 30-5. and five. He's going to be a little overvalued. So the two worlds absolutely sit with each other. Chuck T, Rotomill Fantasy Expert, thank you so much again. Every time Chuck comes out here, we learn something. And, and uh, I know you guys went crazy when he nailed Badu before the year and he was so high on him. Uh, so make sure that all the stuff continues to come in on the social media. We love to hear that Chuck's doing a good job here. It's SportsGun, G-A-R-T-E-N, over at Facebook and Twitter. Chuck's going to join us next week, and we're going to go over all the draft prospects. The NFL, now they landed with their teams. Not only just the first round, whoever's going to make an impact. But guys, that's in the future. Now let's bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, to the future. The future. Bet to the future. Well, we did the American League. Let's talk about it. National League MVP race. Even though we missed some time, Ronald Acuna, he is a plus 270. Fernando Tatis missed some time, plus 800. Juan Soto, plus 850. Mookie Betts, plus 900. Corey Seager, 12 to 1. Jacob deGrom, pitcher. Yeah, 12 to 1. Freddie Freeman, 14 to 1. Bryce Harper, 16 to 1. Francisco Lindor comes in at 20 to 1. And Cody Bellinger basically hasn't taken a swing this year. 25 to 1 odds. That is bet to the future. You know, guys, I'm going to take a look here, and I'm going to say, I, I look, DeGrom, as appetizing as he is, he's just not going to win it. <laughs> he's just not going to win it. I still think Soto has a, a ridiculous year, and that was my original pick. Um, look, this is a lot of baseball stuff. We're getting into baseball. I'm starting to make a lot of money on baseball. But NFL wins totals are out. We're just going to sit back and, and kind of digest this a little bit. So I'll give you my initial thoughts. First off, Kansas City at 12. The initial thought is, you know what? They lost two offensive linemen. Then they traded for one. They got some offensive line problems. But I'm not worried about Kansas City's offense, and neither should you be. It's their defense that I'm worried about. And a division that I kind of like, right? Denver's got a little bit of a new quarterback. I like the fact that Cortland Sutton's getting a little healthier with Judy and Fant, and they're growing up. I kind of like them. I think Vegas is going to be a tough team. They, they are going to battle, at least, and they did beat Kansas City last year. The Chargers, you got to think with Herbert uh, and Derwin James coming back, they're going to be a little bit better as well. So, I'm not taking this over here with Kansas City, not because I don't like KC. I just think it's a very high number, and I like the division coming up after it. Tampa Bay with 11.5. You could argue that Tampa Bay very well may have the most talented roster in the NFL, but it is led by a 44-year-old man. Now, I am as big a Tom Brady fan as anybody out there. Absolutely love Brady. Do I think he hits the wall? No, but Brady absolutely knows something, and that something is that, you know, I am older, 
And the only thing that matters to me is the playoffs. It's almost like a baseball team or a hockey team, right, that only care about the playoffs. And they're going to turn it up when you get to the playoffs. Well, it's not usually done in football, but it can be here. They have a three-headed rushing attack that you go, yeah, you know what? Are they really going to use them all at that point? Do they rest guys? Do they sit guys? And I think this Tampa Bay division is going to actually work against them. I think they're going to be down. Look, the Saints are taking a step back. Carolina will be a little bit better, but they're clearly better. Atlanta, they are better than them as well. So let's take a look at the Baltimore Ravens, right? They're sitting with a nice fat number 11. And you go, this is another talented roster, very talented roster. But, man, this division's tough. I'm still, I'm not writing Pittsburgh off. I think they're pretty good. Uh, maybe not as good as last year. Sure, I could I could attest to that. Well, what about Cincinnati? I think they're a better team this year. What about Cleveland? Cleveland is going to be a better team this year. So Baltimore, tough number there. Green Bay at 10.5. Let's talk about the 10.5. Because you got Green Bay, Buffalo, the Rams, and Niners. Green Bay at 10.5 makes some sense. Just because, look, you guys know I'm not a Green Bay fan at all, but man, Minnesota is down, and the Lions are in a complete rebuild. Lions might be the worst team in the league this year, okay? And the Bears are down, so they got to clean up in their division. You look at the number, and you go 10.5 for Green Bay. Rodgers is not happy there. I get it. But they are still a, a team striving for something, and they've had really good regular seasons. Rodgers fails in the playoffs like he always does, but really good regular seasons. Kind of leaning the over there. How about Buffalo, 10.5? Again, I love it. I think Miami, and I was all over Miami, made a lot of money on them last year, plus 350, uh, and, and I like them. Miami is a team, when you turn around to and you look at Miami, they're going to have a down year. The Jets, rebuilding with a new quarterback. Uh, new England, Ah, you know what? They might be a little bit better, but come on. They're not any near near Buffalo, and I like Buffalo. They look like they're getting better. They look like they're projecting into something. I like both of those overs. The Rams, everybody loves the Rams overs. Here's my problem. Once again, the division is very good. Okay, it's a really good division. And I don't know if Stafford just seamlessly falls in there. I don't know if that defense all of a sudden can lose guys like Johnson and whatnot in the back end and still maintain. It's the same thing with San Francisco. Massively talented roster, but I don't love the quarterback situation for this year at least. A lot of injuries, and you're hoping that every single injury guy just comes back and he's perfectly okay. That's a lot of ass. That's a big ask right there for a San Francisco team to get 11 wins, even in a 17-game season. Now you're starting to get into that comfort zone of 10, right? 10, 10 and 6. This used to be a most likely a wild card team, but you could win a division even with 10 wins. It was a good, solid year. Nobody could say 10 wins. Well, now 10 and 6 is actually kind of like you know, a nine-win season. If you look at it, Indianapolis, it's all about do you believe in Carson Wentz? Look, I love the offensive line. I really like this defense. I like the running game. Do I believe in Carson Wentz? I actually do. But I also believe that this division, I think the division is going to be a little bit tougher this year in in some areas. I think Jacksonville is going to be a little tougher. Tennessee, uh, I can see them taking a step back. Houston, uh, Houston maybe a step back. Maybe not as bad as we think. Oh, I'm going Indy over 10. I like that. Over 9.5. Seattle, Seattle always seems to win games. Now it's a 17-game season. Russell Westbrook will crush it for the first eight games and then fall apart, right? I mean, that's what it is. They brought the band back. Chris Carson's coming back. You got Lockett lined up uh, and locked up good to a nice contract. You love that. Uh, Metcalf, they have some offense, right? The offensive line worries are as paramount as you can have. They've been in the headlines consistently. Their defense, it's a little bit rebuilding. Can Seattle win 10 games? Probably. 
Probably. But there's no guarantee. Tennessee, I just said, I think they could be down a little bit here. They still don't have that pass rusher. But my worry with Tennessee is very simple. Too many carries. I like Derrick Henry. I love the the look of him, you know, standing next to Mark Ingram. He's going to barrel guys over. I get it all. We all like want to root for this. And they got a great coach. Derrick Henry's going to hit a wall soon. It's just statistically numbers. Running backs over 30 with his kind of carries, it just doesn't exist. And, and he's starting to get up there in age. He's got all those carries. He had a lot of carries in college. You look at him, if he hits the wall, Tennessee's done. Don't like to bet on that. Dallas, Dallas is that team. Guess what? No more 8-8 eight and eight for you, Dallas. You're set at 9.5. I think we all oogle and ogle and drool over the projections of what this offense can do. But the defense scares me. And the defense also, by the way, lost Sean Lee. That's a problem. Cleveland at 9.5. I like Cleveland a lot at 9.5. I like this roster. I think they're very, very good position um, to be a deep roster, but also explosive at times. I like Cleveland over the 9.5. Nine, Chargers. Everyone's going to be on this over. Why? Because Justin Herbert. But I'm on the over here, and I'm looking at this because I don't think they're going to be an under 500 team with the talent that's around them. Now, I do think Herbert takes a little step back this year. I don't think he's going to be an MVP candidate, just my opinion. But I like the defense. I like Derwin James coming back. Miami, nine. I think it's a fair number for them. If this was a 16-game season, I'd have Miami at eight and eight, right? So to get to that nine, a little bit too rich for my blood. I'm not going to lean the under either. New Orleans at nine. How much of a fall do they take? They still have explosive weapons. They still have a very good head coach. They actually have a pretty good defense. They have a winnable uh, few games against Atlanta and the Carolina team. They don't travel well, never really have, and it is a transition away from the great Drew Brees. You look at New England, a lot of the same thing. I think New England somehow or another gets their 10 wins here. I believe in Bill Belichick. I believe in the defense. They played a lot of one-score games last year. I believe that they get it. Minnesota and Pittsburgh, two teams that have perennial been pretty good. Everyone's down on Minnesota. Lost too much for me to like them. I mean, Dalvin Cook can't stay healthy, but they do have Jefferson. Tough to bet against them, even though I probably would lean that way. Pittsburgh, I kind of like the over here, and here's why. Mike Tomlin, his entire career, has never had an under 500 record. Eight wins would be the under here. That would be an under 500 record. Arizona, Washington, that's eight wins. Eight and eight used to be okay. I'm big on Washington, man. I think Washington has a chance to do some big things in the playoffs. I like Fitzpatrick. I, I This defense is phenomenal, and they're adding Landon Collins. I really like this Washington total. Eight, I forget about it, eight. If you set this at 10, I might be taking the over. I am very high on Washington. Arizona, not so much. I don't think Kingsbury is a good coach. I think Murray's got a lot of explosive talent, but he doesn't make the right reads at times. Their defense is a lot to be desired. They lost their vocal leader in Patrick Peterson. I worry about that. Seven and a half, Vegas Raiders, Denver, Carolina. All three of these teams have some upside, but they have some question marks. I really like the coach of Carolina. I like what they're doing there. I like what they've brought in. Uh, Their defense was actually pretty good last year, led by Chen. Um, I like this at seven and a half. I think they could get to eight. But I don't know if I like it enough to bet. Same thing with Denver. Denver, there's a new quarterback there. It's a shakeup. They have explosive weapons. Is this the year they put it together? I think Denver's heading in the right direction. But is this the year they put it together? That defense looks good. I kind of lean Denver over. I might be making that a play. The Raiders over 7.5. Last year I was down on them and they opened up my eyes. But they didn't look good at the end of the year. They still have a lot of the same problems that you have where they are young um, at the skill position players. Their offensive line was phenomenal last year, and then they lost some pieces. They still can't get off to the quarterback. They still can't stop the run game. 
I worry about the Raiders, especially in that division. I'm not going to touch that one. Seven, Atlanta, Chicago, Giants. Everyone's on top of this Giants team. They still have no defense, and I don't believe that Saquon could stay healthy, and I'm not a buyer in Daniel Jones. Same thing with Chicago. Look, I'm a Bears fan. I don't believe in Nagy. I don't believe in Pace. I don't believe in what they're doing. And their defense, as good as it is with star names and Hicks and Mack and all this, they lost Fuller. They are a defense that is getting older. I, I don't love Chicago over seven, and it kills me to say. Atlanta, same kind of thing. All offense. They're going to lose a lot of games 44 to 41, right? All offense, explosive, got to like their pieces under the seven for Atlanta as well. You get into a six and a half Cincinnati. I just told you, I think Cincinnati's going to be better. They're going to be explosive. You got Higgins, you got Mixon. Of course, Joe Burrow's coming back. But I'm betting on a guy that just had major knee surgery. I don't know about that. You betting on a defense named the Cincinnati Bengals. Look, they didn't do a lot to improve that. I don't like that. How about Jacksonville and the Jets? Jets didn't do enough. I don't really like that uh, that team buildup. Philadelphia, the same thing. Lots of problems. I don't believe in Hurts. Jacksonville? I kind of like it. I was hoping to get like a six number here, uh, hope for the push. Six and a half, I like it. I like it because I like the headband in charge. I really do. And I'm not talking about Urban Meyer. We know who the new headband in charge there in Jacksonville, the face of the franchise. Couldn't be more of a fan. Detroit sitting at five. I just said they could be the worst team in the league. Uh, you took a putrid offense and you removed Matthew Stafford, Kenny Galladay, and Jones, and you think you're going to get better. Uh, Detroit is in a bad way. I wouldn't be shocked to see number one pick on the clock this year or for next year coming up, the Detroit Lions. I think that they could be the worst team in the league. The only one stopping them there, four and a half by Houston. So I've been looking at Detroit under, by the way. Four and a half for Houston. I'm not afraid to go under at the constructed situation right now. But you can't bet on this unless you know about Watson. Deshaun Watson is just good enough. Good enough to back into five wins. Good enough that despite a terrible defense. Good enough that despite an aging running back. Good enough that despite getting rid of your number two receiver and your number one receiver the year before that, he's still good enough. I'm a big Deshaun Watson fan on the field. Uh, and he's good enough to scare me away from this. Detroit, they're going to be the worst team in the league. All right, guys, that is a good rundown there. And I think we had a really good show. Definitely, I want to thank Chuck T. He's going to come back next week. We're going to talk some more fantasy, this time the NFL. So the NFL's not going away. We know it drives the calendar. Uh, 365 here, right? I mean, we know that the NFL is king. It'll always be king, especially when it comes to sports betting. And you can make some money. If you didn't make money on the draft, you know what? Start looking at those futures plays uh, from a fantasy perspective. Start getting in on your Dynasty League members. Make sure that you give a listen tomorrow. Guys, make sure that you also check us out on all the social media. It's SportsGarden, G-A-R-T-N, hashtag S-G-N. I'm Tom Bart for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.